Hey, really quick, we wanted to let all y'all know about something we'll be doing a little bit different. On April 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern, Ryan and I will be bringing Shaco Art Speak into your homes. We'll be holding our first live interactive podcast via Zoom. We may have to social distance during this time, but we can still get together wherever we are. If you want to be involved, we need you to do two simple things. First, email us at info at shacoartspace.com to let us know you're interested by April 8th. On April 9th, we'll send out the Zoom invitation to everyone who emailed us to let you know how to be a part. And then number two, tell us in your email a topic you'd like for us to speak on. We'll go through all the ideas and pick out one or two that seem like they could generate the best conversation. That is going to be April 10th, 7 p.m. Eastern. we got a couple hours set aside for us. And don't forget to send us some topics you want to talk about as well, because we want this to be a conversation that we can really help you all dive into. Hope to see you there. This is Shaco Art Speak. Gareth. Yes. <laughs> what are we talking about? Well, this week on Shaco Art Speak, I thought that something would be pretty good because uh, we're both experiencing this. Um, we know plenty of people who are in other places, but it might be good just to talk about what does it look like to try to stay sane during this period of COVID-19. Yeah. All these uh, quarantines and shelter in place, especially when most of us are not really in jobs that just let you stay at home all the time. Right. So there's a lot of like small things you may be picking up already, things you've learned, but there's things we've been observing. We just want to talk for a little bit and just share some kind of stories, some ideas, some encouragement about what it looks like to be doing this now, whether you're a maker or not. Yeah. You might even say that um, you we kicked this around, you brought this up, I thought it was good uh, pre, pre-record, is uh, it even presses into that discussion we had a long time ago about work-life integration. Yeah, it does. Cause you know, whether yeah. we like it or not, those two things are being superimposed upon yep. each other. Right. Like most of us are working in our home right now yeah. with our families around us or, you know, whatever it may be. And it's being integrated to a level and a volume we've never really had to experience before. Sure. Yeah. For me, my kids, I'm in my studio, which is my, you know, it's a converted garage. So I have a window inside my, like a little small set of windows in my garage door. And so I have to put up a, when I'm having Zoom meetings for work um, or teaching class or whatever it is, I have a little uh, rag that I tape on the window. And my kids love that, you know, because for them it's communication. Yeah, uh, it's, it, like, it, it's like uh, Ryan Letario's semaphore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dad's at work or whatever. <laughs> and so we've had to construct these, um, these parameters, but you know, in the reverse, I'm also like relaxing my attitude in ways. Cause I'm like, you know what? Uh, this is an opportunity for, uh, for me to have as much fun with my family as I can. Yeah. Um, as, as much as I can. Um, I, I think I saw, I think one of our listeners who's exhibited with us, a fantastic painter, um, she and her family recreated, um, Images of like famous paintings. I haven't seen that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, shout out. Like, I don't know if I should put it all the way out there or not, but they're really good. They're on Facebook and they've been recreating like historical paintings together. That's amazing. I love it. I mean, I, I think like that's the, that's the kind of stuff where you're like, you have, you know, we talked about that in the last episode, but you have choices to make. And so we've just been making choices, you know, but, um, and for me, uh, I'm just, if, you know, full confession is like, I, I feel like I maybe was getting away 
um, from my core values, if you will, and maybe consuming too much mm. sort of um, media. And so this time has allowed me to prioritize again. You know, I mean, I, what I'm saying is like, I have choices to make. So one of the choices I'm making is like, um, am I going to prioritize reading and writing and making and sitting with my family, um, pouring into the potential that's there? Because that's always the potential that's there. It's never, it's not like it's not, it's always there, you know? Right. So um, I'm trying to do that, you know? I'm trying to think a little less about uh, triviality and uh, indulge less in triviality. Although that is hard because you, you, it's easy to get, it's easy to want to watch the news 24 seven online or, Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's been strange because we can't, we can't do any shows for Chaco art space. I mean, we had Inseca that was coming and that shut down. Yeah. Such a bummer. You know, so there's a certain amount of gallery life that is closed down right now. So that time I've been putting towards making painting. So yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm, I'm, so, I mean, my personality, as you know, Ryan, you're well aware, is, uh, I don't know, closer to like type A or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I am a, uh, I am a task-driven person. Mm-hmm. So if I've got my to-do list, I've, I've got a day ahead of me. Well, when VCU emailed us and said, you've got an extra week of spring break because you got to put everything online, well, I got into task mode, but then once those tasks were finished, I didn't have the extra stuff to do. And I actually had a few days that were really rough mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure I'm not the only person, you know, listening to this right now that probably had that same experience. Oh yeah. Those schedules, the rhythms, right. Got work, thrown off. Yeah. Work it was rhythms. a derailment in yeah. every sense of the way. Totally. I have students, I mean, maybe some listening, but yeah, I think it's a real challenge. You know, you have folks that were moving out into new stations of life yeah. that are kind of been pulled back and it can feel regressive to the steps they were making as adults. Um, certainly rhythms are good are a good thing, you know, being able to go into work. I mean, I will say like it has helped me to be able to go. I, I like, so I get up the same way every morning that I, I normally do because I have to, I have class. So like I'm yeah. able to go and, you know, even though I'm sitting in front of a computer, um, it's some semblance of that rhythm uh-huh. You know, so my work hours are the same. My off work hours are different because I'm not just not going to go anywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, short of this, short of us recording, like that's about it. Like I'm, I'm kind of, you know, on isolation. So, um, yeah, I think that's really, I mean, the, the idea of like a routine or reestablishing some sort of routine, um, I think is important and not being so regimented and strict with it. Sure. Um, if you don't have to be now, some of us, we do have to be because I, mean, I can't, I can't tell my students my class happens at a different time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's just not, I can't say, oh, we'll get there when we get there. Um, so I think having some kind of routine is good. And, and and what are the things that make your days kind of feel normal? They help retain some of the sanity. I was talking to a friend um, the other day, and he was mentioning that he had had some folks talk to him about how hard it was for them to really jumpstart this kind of work at home because their work was never at home before. It was right. always outside of the home. Yep. And he said, well, real easy. He's like over Zoom, they were talking. He was like, you're right now in your pajamas midway through the morning. Like, get up. Yeah. Get a shower, get dressed yeah. just like you normally would. Yep. Start those 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 habits, those those rhythms, those flows that you go through during the day anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe it's, it's nice because, I mean, I've seen some folks that have been like, oh, well, yeah, now one of the things on my routine during the day is mid-afternoon, I go for a walk. Yep. 
you know, which again, you could make that choice always, right? That's right. You know, even at work, you could probably get up and walk around wherever you are, or use your lunch break for it or something. But mm-hmm. people are more apt to it because now they seem to have a bit more space within their schedule mm-hmm. for some of those other things. Right. Yeah, that that's a really interesting thought about the uh, busyness of life, you know, being brought to a halt uh, in your... Um, I mean, again, like it just makes me think about, uh, I brought, I, you know, I brought some questions last week, but it makes me think about what, yeah, what changes are going to emerge out of this? Like, will we be yeah. as quick to pick up as, will we, will we jump back in as quickly as we, we once were? Will we, um, dial it back? Will it be dialed back? And, um, what is it for is a question always in the back of my mind. Um, but I, I've seen, um, you know, I've, I, I suspect there's going to be some really sort of historically interesting uh, art made out of this time um, that we won't fully be able to digest until later. But be, because, I, you know, it's like um, there's just a really interesting resiliency aspect to, to human beings and their um, – makerliness, their create creativity, if you will, there that, uh, that is going to respond in intense ways. And, um, you know, that's going to meet the challenge, if you will. And, you know, I, I don't have a comparison at all, but I at least think about the nineties when there was an economic decline and a lot of, that's when nonprofits emerged and a lot of interesting writing and, you know, the way circumstances, uh, reprioritize pressures on people, mm-hmm. uh, frees up, other spaces with it, within their lives where where there was a pressure that's now gone, and all of a sudden they're thinking differently. And so I th- I, I suspect that that's happening, and will will continue to happen for as long as we're in the midst of this. It's going to, um, I think you're going to find some interesting journals, um, you know, uh, forms of communication. I think you know you're going to. I don't know. Bob Dylan made a song, a 17 minute song he released about JFK and his assassination. 17 minute song. It's super weird. And um, I'm like, what a weird thing, you know? But it's like, what a weird time we're in. Yeah, and I, well, I think all those kind of times <clears> of like uh, some sort of like intense pressure, like you're talking about, those times produce a lot, right? It becomes that pressure cooker where things get kind of solidified and, and and clear in some ways. I mean, you look at, you know, anything from like Guernica to the, the writings of Ernest Hemingway. I mean, like these things, like entire careers were almost made out of these very like specific times of struggle. Yep. And uh, because because I think that there is something about the absolute volume of something tragic that helps to kind of hush the small little voices mm-hmm. and makes things feel like right. things are a little bit clearer yeah. for, for some time. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I think you're... I think it silences the excesses in us. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like we have, we all have like excess where we're just like spouting off. You know, it's almost like we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think your point is really well taken that it it silences a lot of the excess and clarifies what actually is going to come out or come forward. And and that that means like the intersection of work life and creative life and like family life or roommate life, you know, you all yeah. of a sudden, some of you are probably stuck with your roommate who you're already struggling to relate to. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's all good situation. Yeah. Hopefully but. it's all good. But you know, like how do you, how do you navigate those? Well, uh, maybe 
uh, this is the kind of tension that enables us to become better communicators, uh-huh. you know, where we have to take a, a more honest account of our shortcomings so that we're not, you know, only looking at someone else's shortcomings, but we're also thinking about our own, you know, yeah. definitely, definitely is a reality for me and my wife. Like we, we have to, uh, we're having to work on that, um, during this time. So, um, even with my kids, I'm having to do that because they're seeing, they're seeing me more, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm not coming home from work the same way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, um, again, it's, it's, I, maybe it's just the refrain of my heart right now, but then it's like you, you, you've got to simplify and make choices. And, um, sometimes the choices aren't what looks good in your own eyes. Sometimes it's, it's really what's good for other people. Yeah. You know, and feels counterintuitive to you. And, um, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but that's just a, a line of thinking that's been there in the back of my mind. Um, as, as honestly, it's like some positives, like some constructive opportunity, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, it's good because, um, you know, I got a, I got an email today from a past student who was just checking in. He said, Hey, how you doing? You know, I know you got some small kids. I just want to check in and see how stuff was. And he was relating to me that he, um, for the first time was now working. He usually works at home, but now he's working home with his kids and his wife being there. And he said, you know, it's just, it's really different. And he, he said, this has been a very humbling experience. And, you know, I think that, you know, what that does is if, you know, the, the people that we have that are important in our lives, when there's a chance that they could be lost, mm-hmm. um, you know, it kind of solidifies that importance even more to us. Mm-hmm. But also it helps the relational aspect in terms or the relative aspect between those people and the jobs that we do. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that people are starting to kind of see in some ways, at least from folks I've talked to, is they're actually starting to see that the they maybe put too much stock in their job mm-hmm. in not the right way. Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference between being kind of a persistent good worker who is really going along and doing the stuff that you're supposed to be doing and being productive and somebody who is maybe focusing on it much more to the mm-hmm. detriment of other things. Yep. And this is, you know, if I can take something really good from this, you know, as hard as that is to do, it is. it, it seems like there are a lot of people I'm seeing that are kind of getting back in touch with the people that they are physically closest to. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen, uh, <laughs> I've seen things come across Facebook and Instagram of, of families that are like literally making bread together. Yeah. You know, and they're like, you know, doing things, uh, in their backyard. I mean, I don't know how many people I've seen who have made a resort, so to speak, out of their backyard where they've set up a tent and an inflatable right. pool. Right. And they've just been out there kind of making the best of the bad situation. Yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is like those opportunities are, have always been there. Yeah. And that's the yeah. thing is, right. It's, yeah. it's kind of putting some things into a different perspective. Yeah. I mean, I'm guilty of this all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, the work from home aspect, aside from, you know, the, the, the teaching I do at VCU, like I work from home with my design business all mm-hmm. the time. So my kids are within earshot always, right. sometimes almost arm's length away from me. Sure. Um, so I've, I've kind of learned to deal with the struggle a lot, but one thing this has helped me see is that, you know, it's okay every once in a while to take a little bit of a break and maybe just go play with your kid. Yeah. You know, it's okay to take a little bit of a break and go read a book, take yeah, a walk. walk your dog. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's, there's all kinds of stuff you can do, um, because there actually is a whole lot of time. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, one thing I guess I'm thinking about too is just for our audience, uh, something we we're not able to account for is we're record, we record ahead of the release date. Yeah. And so I know each week 
things are, you know, accelerating with this pandemic. So, right. um, you know, we're not able to have a, you, a timely response to that. So just want to make sure everybody knows that we're not, um, denying or sort of immune to, um, just how devastating this is. Oh no, not at all. Um, but we also know that you're getting, we're all getting, I know I'm getting a lot of that communication. And so we want to at least let these talks be, um, and we're going to ease into just getting back to like normal, at least with these. Like, so, you know, if we can let these times be a bit of an escape where we just get on topics and we just kind of do what we, we historically have done on this podcast, uh, that's, that's where we're headed, you know? So these last few episodes have just been us trying to really process the time we're in a little bit and, um, highlight where we can, you know, some of what is encouraging, um, while knowing that, you know, that there's real pain and struggle happening, real, real catastrophic loss. And, uh, so, um, just, just so folks know if, if, if it didn't, you know, you don't know, I guess, is that, yeah. um, we, we don't always, we don't release these the same day we record them. And so there's certainly a time gap there, um, in terms of what, what can be happening, what can change, but we will be, uh, targeting is sort of more of a on course, uh, response where we just kind of have our topics the way we have and, mm-hmm. you know, where we don't spend as much time acknowledging this uh, yeah, because I mean, it's being acknowledged in so many places. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's, there's a big historical pause button that's been pressed on a yep. lot of things. Um, yep. and it, it would be, I mean, it would be insensitive not to do it. Totally. Um, oh, and yeah. that's, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to do that. We want to make sure that, you know, our conversations are, in all ways, with, with all things, whether we're in some pandemic time or not, like we've always wanted our conversations to be things that deal with what we're dealing with now, what people yeah, are talking 100%. about and yep. thinking about now. Yeah. So it makes total sense that this is here. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's good to just you know, remind ourselves about how to stay sane. I think uh, you know one thing we had mentioned earlier, Ryan, is we talked about um, how many folks we had seen kind of doing doing exercise. Yeah. You know, and like you haven't seen of, me doing it. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, yeah. Well, I've I've, sh- I've I've been doing a little bit. I uh, <laughs> I started doing something that I had heard about a few months ago uh, because when they said you know fourteen day quarantine, fourteen day quarantine over and over again, I was like, wow, two weeks. Everybody's at some point is going to just kind of have at least two weeks. That's now seems like it's going to stretch into a few months. Yes. But and I was thinking about it, and there was something I had heard that is a very provocative title, but it was called uh, an evil Russian push up program. And apparently this push-up program was so not good, not fun, that people just started calling the guy who came up with it an evil Russian. <clears throat> Yikes. So, Sorry. That, but yeah. he, uh, he wore it as a, as a, a proud moniker for himself. Um, and so it's you do it every day, and mm-hmm. you do a certain number of push-ups at a certain interval. That's usually about an every hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was like, well, hey, I got two weeks. Let's try this. So uh, I've been doing it, and uh, it's been hurting a lot. Yeah. But I tell you what, it has made me feel a little bit better. Weird. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's I can been I can speak to that because I've touched you, and you do. Feel, you, I felt you, and you do feel better. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, <clears throat> we've seen a lot of people that have been doing the same thing. They've yeah. been trying to figure out, like, oh, how do I do the gym at my house? How do yep. I how do I work out with my kids? Yep. You know, how do I, um, you know, make sure that I'm getting outside of the house, but still practicing my social distancing well? Yeah. Um, some of, like? some of us, as I said earlier, there's the freshman 15 and I feel like I've gained, I'm gaining the COVID 19. 
which is 19 <laughs> extra pounds from maybe turning south on things. So I, I, you know, I'm hearing you and I know in my brain, this is, this is really good. <laughs> but in my heart, I'm like, I do not want to exercise at all. I'll tell you what, the first two days were terrible. Oh, they I'm, were absolutely See, terrible. I'm a lot, I, well, I'm not a lot older than you. I'm just a couple years, but, um, I just always feel like I'm old. But so I, I just know that I do anything and it hurts way more than it used to. And it lingers a lot longer than it used to. You know, <laughs> oh, it's, it just yeah, no. hurts. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel that same pain. Um, yeah. It's, uh, when I did the, the first day of this push-up program, you do a test to see how many you can do. Right. And so I did a test and I got a number. I yeah. like that number. So I yeah. just added to it because I felt bad about the number that I had. You pulled a karate low. kid. You know when Miyagi comes in <laughs> and he's doing like, he's like on his third push-up and then he comes in and he's like 35, Pretty 36. Close. Yeah. I didn't yeah. jump that high because yeah. I wasn't one to kill myself during right. this whole program by doing too many push-ups. But. Well, no, he didn't do them. He just acted like he was doing more. Oh, so no. when Miyagi came in, he thought he was trying to trick Miyagi. No, what I'm saying just, is like, but the number I have on my first day dictates the numbers I do the oh, rest of the days. So I wasn't night. trying to like destroy myself. That's the right. Days, yep. Just for the sake of a little personal pride. Yeah. But it, yeah. Gosh, fun. that so, makes me want to do like a Taco Bell challenge where I eat. Dude. It's like, how many tacos can I eat in a half hour? And then we just do this every hour. So you're doing push-ups while I'm eating tacos, and we'll see who comes out better at the end of this. I'm doing push-ups. You're doing push-downs because you're just trying to push down as much as possible. That's right. And then we'll see who looks healthier. We'll do a, like a shirtless challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll do, we'll do an Instagram stories poll. On yeah. That. We'll see who, 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 who actually who came out better. of this better. Who wore it better? Gareth exercised. Ryan ate Taco Bell by the hour. I, I don't think it's going to go well for me, Dude, man. I passed by a Taco Bell the other day and I can't because of allergies. I can't eat a Taco Bell. I can't eat I'm a sorry. thing. And I'm I so hate sorry. it because it used to be my favorite restaurant. Yeah. I used to love it. Yeah. Um, in terms of like good What's not to love? food. Yeah. It was cheap. It was good. Yep. You could always go back and get more. Every yep. dish had the same ingredients. They, they created the fourth meal. They did. Nobody else did that. No, good for them. Yeah. I mean, they, they knew who was coming to the place and when they were coming. And legitimately, we are not sponsored by Taco Bell. If y'all <laughs> would reach out to them and let them know yeah. that they are missing a golden opportunity. Where you at, Taco Bell? So, yeah, this is this is not sponsored by people that we're not sponsored by. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I mean, Ryan, I'm going to be honest. Uh, it wouldn't take much for them to sponsor us. I like, know. We don't, we don't have a very high we bar don't have a, yeah. for Taco Bell. Yeah, just give me a lifelong... Get, like there's got to be a card that gets you like a taco a day, right? Taco a day. And I would sponsor us. Like I have spent my life sponsoring Taco Bell and, and, um, now I would want something out of it since I can't do the taco a day. Yeah. You need, you, yeah, you'd need something. You so need Taco something. Bell, you got to think of a different card. Yeah. So we're not sponsored by Taco Bell. We're also not sponsored by, um, McDonald's or, um, I'm trying to think of all the, uh, sponsors we're not sponsored by. Oh man, it's it's just endless. The yeah, we're not sponsored by Square. We're not sponsored by. Yeah, we're not sponsored by Squarespace. We're no. not sponsored by um, Dick Blick. Nope, nope. So anyhow, um, <laughs> yeah, there's just, that. Just to let y'all know. Yeah, just but this to, is. But you know, actually, it's kind of a, an interesting thing because there's a point I wanted to bring up in this conversation. Okay, let's do talking it. about Taco Bell. Is <laughs> don't forget, just because you can't go to a restaurant, get that restaurant and come to your house. Come to your house. Right. I mean, like that's a perfect way to stay sane. You know, yep. if you go to the grocery store and you're getting pissed off because everybody's taking all the frozen food and all the stuff you want yeah. and you can't find meat or it's getting rationed. Yep. 
call up your favorite local uh, restaurant. Uh, you know, different different folks like DoorDash and Uber Eats yeah. and stuff. They're doing a lot of free deliveries. So yep. call know, up Schwann's. Yeah, keep keep these local places in in business. Keep keep your uh, neighbors yep. in a job. Yeah, yeah, that's a fantastic way to stay sane, and you don't have to clean your kitchen up. If you know anybody that's doing like delivery of tamales, let oh me know. God, yes. Let me know. That sounds fantastic. I know it does. I don't know a single place in this area. Dang it. Tamales, dude, they're so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I meant to pick some up last time I went back to Mississippi. I know you should have. I should have because I get to stuck in the freezer. Gosh, you good to go, them, dude. You could have frozen. Still got three pounds of masa at my house. Too. Oh, we got to do it. So those of you who don't know, we've been talking about tamale night forever. So yes. we're going to, that's going to be one of our creative exploits at some point. It is. And um, we'll eat them live. <laughs> you just hear the, the, the moans of ecstasy yeah. and the smacking of our lips. Oh, we'll do a zoom. We'll okay, let, we'll just let, too, yeah. we'll let, let people see, see. I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Because we had talked about doing uh, traditional Mexican tamales. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which I grew up with. Mississippi Delta tamales, which yep. is what I grew up with, yeah, and then what Hybrid. we would affectionately called Franken tamales, yep. Where we'll just we'll just try best stuff of out, the best. yep. And then we're gonna have a Star Wars style sword fight with them, <laughs> lightsaber fight. That's fantastic. Yep, it's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. By so, the yeah. way, the, I, I'm waiting for the uh, Star Wars movie to come out on DVD so I can own the physical, mm-hmm. so I can finally watch all nine of them and really see what the heck is going on. Yeah, I don't know if back you're gonna to, do back to back to back to yeah, back to back, yeah, straight through. No stopping. Man, that's a workout. Yeah. I mean, this is what I'm committed to in my life that's at a, this point. I mean, that's like more than a day, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's about two days. If you don't sleep. Oh, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't going to yeah, sleep during that. Yeah, yeah, So it's like I've been doing that and then watching uh, the Andy Griffith show. Wow, that's back and forth, dude. <laughs> do, you, do you start to like have some crossovers where you start to see Kylo Ren like come into the jail one night? And he's like, why are you back here, Kylo? <laughs> why? Like, I'm drunk again. Well, it's just weird to watch Opie and know that he directed Solo. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's it's surreal. It's also weird to think about Opie. The th- well, for me, the weirdest thing for me is to think that that cute little kid grows up to just a bald man that's always wearing a hat. <laughs> yeah, he's always <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then like he takes off the hat and you're just like, And his Whoa. name was Opie. <laughs> little, little Ronnie. <laughs> little Ronnie Howard. Little Opie. Man. Andy Griffith, that's a good time, man. It is uh, a good time. Don Vegan. Knotts is funny, man. He is funny. He's a funny man. He was a genius. Ghost of Mr. Chicken. Oh, it's one of my all-time favorites. Funny guy. Wow, Andy. Yeah. No, I, that it was great. We were watching it for a while because uh, uh, my daughter had like a, a thing that and here, like here another fantastic way to stay sane. Introduce your uh, kids or friends or anybody else that uh, you're in proximity to. Introduce them to black and white TV shows. Oh, we've been doing that. So it's my kids, my kids don't know any better now. So they're like they love Abbott and Costello, especially the ones where they meet like monster, like Dracula and oh, ba- heck yeah. yeah. All my son's all about it. And um, trying to think, we've been watching old westerns. So we've been showing them black and white shows, and they're they've crossed over. So they're not bored by them now. I mean, it's weird because yeah. uh, the Dick my Van wife's great at that. like transfixed my daughter for a long time. Yeah. She was just like, can we watch that again? I'm yep. like, what is it about it that you like? And she was like, I don't know. Yeah. It's the old timiness of it. I don't know. It's weird stuff. It's weird. It it's weird magic. It is weird magic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is, you know, our plea to bring back Nick at night. Yeah. That was a great time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like some uh, old, um, you know, Get Smart, the old Maxwell. I love Get I also like the um, Get Smart with um, uh, Steve Carell. Yeah, it was good. That's it was really good. good. I, I'm so upset they have never made a second one of that. Yeah, they should. You know, get smarter. It's right there. It's so it's funny. On the table. It's so good. Um, 
I mean, this is, I think it's a good topic because how many of y'all out there are just binge watching stuff right now because you just, yeah, you just got to be in your home. You yeah. Know? We've worked through every Harry Potter again. Um, I haven't done Lord of the Rings yet because I normally do that during Christmas time. Yeah. And uh, Star Wars is always somewhere looming. Um, Planet of the Apes is probably mm-hmm. coming. Yeah. Um, we've been watching a lot of Father Brown. Yeah, yeah, those are good we, things. We really like that show. Uh, we like old, we like old people mysteries. We like slow shows. Laura, yeah. Laura and I like slow shows. I mean, dude, especially like when everything on the outside of the home is not slow yeah. right now. I mean, like a slow TV show is nice. Yeah, you know, like just something. I mean, like quaint things are nice. Like mm-hmm. I, I'll probably go back and watch Cheers again. Yep. You know, because it's just a bunch of, just a bunch of pals in a bar. Yeah, I mean, people, like think about that too. And like like pub culture in. England or Great Britain or the UK yeah. and it's like folks can't go to pubs so just shut down and it's such a like a social component to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the way people exist and interact with each other exchanges of value and so on and um, community gatherings and different things like that like it's weird when that stuff's just the stuff that was the constant is missing oh yeah and for a while you know um, you get stir crazy oh you, you know? definitely do yeah. I mean the the but I think that there's there's that period, like, if we think about this as, like, the phases, right, that people go through. Yeah. Um, at least for me, this is what it seemed like. Uh, the first phase was, like, a, like a denial, nothing's going on, but I'm going to take the time off. Mm. Right? So there was, like, a, there was like a lull, a heavy mm-hmm. lull at first. And then there was, like, a, a, a big anxiety buildup as mm-hmm. I saw that, no, this is actually, this is very pressing. Yep. Um, and then anxiety built up, which didn't actually get me out of the lull. It mm-hmm. just changed my mindset, right? right? It just made me more agitated. Sure. Um, but then as we start to kind of accept the situation, as, as I started to accept the situation, I think then I got to a place where I started asking the questions, okay, now what do I do? Yep. You know, and so then it became something where it's like, it's weird because in my day right now, I can actually watch a good amount of stuff mm-hmm. and get some stuff done yeah. and go outside. And cook some food. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, I sat on my porch, my back porch today and drank coffee with my wife. And we have this great porch and uh, I almost never do that. It's so weird that it's like... Um, yeah, yesterday I had yesterday I had, I had like a kind of like an unconscious anxiety mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. And I couldn't... The day before that was a great day. Like I, the day before that I was um, pretty up in spirits. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't really... I could not place why I had this kind of... Um, I couldn't like identify something directly that was like, this is why you got anxiety today. Cause I had, yeah. I didn't go to bed stewing on anything other than like your mind is dealing with like what's happening on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was pretty helter, helter skelter because then today I woke up and I was tired, but got up in the morning, had to get ready for some meetings and, and watch the sun and had some coffee or whatever. And it was good. It was good to just like listen. I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but like we got some nice trees in our neighborhood or, you know, um, and uh, listen to birds, man. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of then being like, this is crazy that this thing just shows up annually and it sings and, you know, like it, it, it does its unpredictable predictables in these different locations around your neighborhood. And um, so I was like, well, I got nothing else I have to do right now. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I, I can make a choice today to, uh, take a, take an opportunity to, to actually appreciate what's, what's there. And, um, I'll say this, I, I'm, I, <clears throat> this probably just sounds like opportunistic for me, but 
I'll tell you, I want, I mean, there's a lot of things I can't say right now that I'd, I'd love to be able to do. You know, there's just so many people in our community I miss and mm-hmm. want to be around. Yeah. And uh, there's that. And it's a big one. Um, one of the other things is, uh, gosh, I want to spend more time at museums. Yeah, uh, it's just crazy. a weird, it's just a weird thing. I took my kids and some of their friends to look at art and the next that later that day is when I started getting sick. So, um, and I left that day wanting to, I was telling Laura spring break. Yeah. I left that day going, we got to go back. I need a, I need a couple hours. And the next day I was laid out. So I never had a chance to go back to the museum, but I, I just wanted to walk around quietly. And, um, sometimes I, I guess maybe this something that's been on my mind is that's kind of been shaken down is sometimes the, um, I've been talking to Chino about this and some other artists, but the criticality of art in, in the context that I'm in mm-hmm. can become so critical and in bury the the on the one hand the more simplistic if you will aspect of like what i love about making art or painting let's say let's just say painting for me especially right now um and uh some of the more transcendent sort of conversations that happen through literal paintings in other words like things that kind of supersede the moment and and so you know um, which is another way of saying like being linked into like a longer lineage of human beings is, mm-hmm. is maybe, maybe part of it, a, a kind of like a long, a longing for something transcendent, if you will. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But, um, during this time, it's like, it's been nice just to like, look at, look at art, look at my, you know, my neighborhood mm-hmm. and, um, it reminds me that I, I want more of certain things and less of others, I guess, yeah. you know, and I'm not anti critical discourse as you know, but there's a time, there's a, there's a way in which it can bog down the heart behind why you make what you make, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it can, the making can lose its power and it's, it's importance, um, trying to solve problems it's not designed to solve. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, that's been really interesting for me is I, I've just felt, for, you know, this kind of perpetual freedom to be like, you know what, I only got so many choices I can make. And, uh, um, yeah, I'd like to um, spend more time sort of in the world of poetry and art, if you will. I know that sounds so romantic and sentimental, but it's just to say that I don't I don't want to, you know, <clears throat> it's just easy to get caught up in some of the pop culture stuff, man. Yeah. And um, and. And uh, I'm prone to all of that. And so I can get caught up in all the politics, all that stuff. And it just doesn't bring life, you know. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't walk away feeling good. Um, you don't translate anything into anybody else's life from it other than like fear or frustration or bitterness. And it's like, we only got so long to live. Mm-hmm. I want to pursue deeper, more meaningful things, if you will. Well, that, I mean, you know, the other day we, uh, we kind of have like a big kind of group chat sort of thing with a bunch of the folks on our team. And so I sent out a message and just was like, Hey, everybody just show me something beautiful, what you've been doing. And it was really encouraging to see how many people, um, just in our small group that does a lot of stuff with shock of art space, like we're popping out stuff that they're like, Hey, I'm literally painting this right now. Hey, I'm making this thing. I was out on a walk the other day and saw this and just the ability to just kind of see and recognize like just beautiful stuff, you mm-hmm. know? And they weren't, like you said, they weren't coming at it to be some sort of like deeply critical, like discourse based uh, work, but it was like, hey, I saw this thing and it caught my eye. 
Right. It made me think about the way these colors work together or it made me look at the shadows around this corner and I, I wanted to paint the thing. Yeah. And it was nice to see that. You yeah. Know, just like a, a joy of making. Right. Um, you know, because there's a, a couple of weeks ago, Ryan, you sent me a, uh, a YouTube video of, of Oliver Jackson having a talk at the National Gallery. Yeah, yeah, at yeah. The, uh, it's I so guess, good. If any, if anybody hasn't seen it, it's worth watching. It's fantastic. It's um, uh, about an hour long yep. or so, but yep. there's a point in there where he says, uh, if you're not making, you're not an artist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and I, I think about that a lot too, is that I have, I have heard in the last two or three weeks kind of the, the talking die down and I've started to see a lot more of the making, yep. which has been fantastic. I think it's a great way to cope with yeah. what's going on. Yep. Like if you're looking for a good coping mechanism as a maker, yep. well, cool. It's your job. Yeah. It's making. Just yeah, go yeah. and do it. Like, well, also the like. making is, is doing the, 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 uh, the, the made talks. Yeah. The thing that is made has its, has its manner of speech or communication. It's, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily uh, audible all the time um, or in the, sort of the language of, um, you know, English or whatever your native language is, but it is that, that language is communicating something. And so just like the jazz album communicates something, it communicates a mood, a tone. Yeah. I think in that same talk, Oliver Jackson said to the curator, he said, you know, if I wasn't making things, you academics wouldn't have anything to talk about. hundred percent. I love that. To that same point. The irony, dude, one thing I love about that is, um, just as like a, so I was at that talk yeah. I was there and I have it on recording from my phone. And so they edited it because he, mm-hmm. he said some tougher stuff. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. He's not very blunt. I mean, he's very blunt. Yeah, he's blunt. Oh, goodness. There's a couple more moments where I was like, yeah, they definitely edited that out. And I have it. I can show you. Um, when when we connected, he's not trying to uh, – he really does not want to be associated with academia. Yeah. And he's an academic. I was about to say, how did you get to know Oliver Jackson? Yeah. So it's just funny because I love, I mean, and I, but I, what I love is like that spirit, you know, I think in some ways it was a, it was a necessity for him probably, you know, for a lot of artists. Right. Yeah. And so, um, and he is a teacher, man. He's, he's, uh, just brilliant. And, um, but it was just funny. It's funny to see him completely out of academia now, full immersion as a maker. I mean, he always was making 24 seven, but, but just that he's not, it's, he's not teaching though. He's mm-hmm. just an artist. So I loved, it's like seeing that part of him freed up to just be like, yeah, you academics, like always trying to tell me what something is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, God, I just don't know anybody that talks like that anymore yeah, or was, thinks like that. It's a very I mean, refreshing talk to yeah, hear, just yeah, to yeah. hear how open and honest somebody was about their work, about what they did, about how yep. they did it, about yeah, what yeah. they thought. But also, yeah. you know, I mean, I kind of understand his sentiment because I can even kind of feel the, the urge to say that at times, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of point at those academics, like, um, you know, cause we talk a whole lot about, you know, you should be making, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it's, it is easy to learn about art as a historical thing that people have done. Right. Um, and that's great. It is, uh, it is, it can be easy to just learn the steps of a process to tell someone else how to do it. Right. It is incredibly hard to speak experientially and internally from the field in those ways as a maker. Mm-hmm. Because you have to kind of balance both. Mm-hmm. Because some of the things that you you learn in certain classes, you, there's pushback when you start making. You're like, this doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't, yep. doesn't really jive. It doesn't rub together. Right. And those things all only come out in the wash, and that mm-hmm. wash is the making. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the making is always the. It's like the proof. It's the. 
it's the talk, it's the everything. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think about historic, you know, you think about research, you know, we've talked about this before, but you think about research in the past and, and um, you know, if you had a research scientist, um, the institution was supporting them. They did, they maybe taught some uh, rel- uh, relevant courses to their research. And then you, as you move up, you had students that study with them according to their research. And so it wasn't, um, institutionalized the other way. It was the institution supporting the research because there was a belief that the research had relevance to the, uh, larger society. Right. And so if you went to study at this school, you went to study with that researcher in the nature of their research. Mm -hmm. And so that was the case with college too, you know, especially if you get into like the arts in graduate school, but that has changed some. And so, uh, um, there would be like a, a more of a seamless relationship between you as a maker and what people would expect to study with you. Like, so they'd be coming to study what you're about. Mm-hmm. And there is a struggle there where that's not entirely the case now. Well, it's funny you, you mentioned that because the other day I got an email from a student and they said, okay, now that we've gone online with everything, like, am I still allowed to ask you questions about stuff that don't pertain to class? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I, that was never, I don't know where that came from. Sure. Like, that was never the intention, period. Like, yep. I would hope that you would want to know things from me that are not just me kind of, I don't know, what What am I, just a talking head reciting some facts? Yeah. You know? um, I don't want to be that. Yeah. Um, but I think it points to that, you know, exactly, that, um, that I think there is an opportunity in this whole pandemic that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. The fact that, you know, we're all on Zoom, all these professors are. Mm. And I have seen countless people at any level reaching out to everyone and just putting a blanket statement out there to say, hey, if, if your kids need X, Y, or Z, hit me up and we'll connect on Zoom. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's something with educators that I've seen that have kind of risen to the top in all of this. Yeah. Where they've yep, said, hey, do you true. need a critique? Do you need this? Like, pop in. This actually could be a chance for a lot of students to kind of reconnect with what you're talking about that's been lost recently. Sure. Yeah, I think that I, I really do think you're going to see a redefinition. I mean, I even think what we're doing, Shaka Art Space, may go through a different iteration of like oh, yeah. when we think about our institute aspirations or things like that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't. Um, um, I'm not discouraged per se. Just, just uh, we keep talking about sobriety. I'm just soberly thinking though, and you know, we've had our talks, and you know, once. Once we kind of have a better idea of how things are going to go and how the economy goes, and um, you know, we'll we'll look at what's there and what's most needed, I suppose. Um, but yeah. um, but I do I do think yeah, like I think you're going to see um, a lot of differences show up. Uh, you know, I think this time is going to put some givens on notice that they're not a given anymore. Yeah, and I don't want to say too much about that right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's true. I mean, it, it, it will be a time to just kind of sit back and, you know, as things continue to unfold, to be able to just kind of sit back and say, well, we've got a new context. Yep. And within that context, how do things get recontextualized? Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it's good that when, when we have that conversation moving forward, that we remember the kind of um, the way that things have maybe become more focused for us as individuals. Mm-hmm. That... You know, the we it's not like this world just happens, like the culture we have, it doesn't just happen, mm-hmm. right? It, because we're just sitting around. It happens because we're doing certain things, making certain choices. So if there are things that emerge from a time like this that we see are maybe better ways to do things, mm-hmm. then we should do something as we move forward to keep those intact. Yeah. Here, th- maybe this is side 
side note, I think it supports what you're saying about certain things staying intact. It just may not seem obvious when I say it, so <laughs> brace Go yourself. For it. We'll, we'll, we'll wander around to it. Okay, so I'm going to be snarky. <laughs> not to you, but just it's, this may seem snarky, and I don't, I don't mean it to be. So I've been listening to some interesting talks and mm-hmm. reading some books. Um, and uh, this kind of idea of, um, you know, I've talked about like, being present in a place, you know, we've, we've hit at this, like being faithfully present, sort of living in the same spot, mm-hmm. um, long enough to know and be known, um, dwelling richly, doing what you do, making, accounting for your neighbors, um, sort of cultivating, you know, what we've talked about as like an ecosystem. Like we've been talking mm-hmm. about in this language historically, it's been, uh, metaphorically, um, a metaphorical vehicle for driving how, how we want to do things and what we want to see happen. Right. And so, um, to crystallize that further, I've been thinking about trees a lot. Mm-hmm. And so trees oxygenate, right? What do trees do? Trees do all kinds of stuff. They bring fruit, provide shade, shade, you um, can cut them down and build things out of them. Yes. You can cut them down, build, they, they, they provide resources. They, they're a physical marker of the season. Mm-hmm. And they accommodate the seasons depending on the climate they're in, the region of the world they're in. You know, yeah. they, they're they're highly responsive to time, mm-hmm. um, and yet while being responsive to time, they don't move. Mm-hmm. So they they shift, but they don't they don't healthy ones stay deeply rooted. Mm-hmm. They don't go anywhere, but they so they don't go anywhere, but they impact a lot. Mm-hmm. And and then I was thinking about uh, so I mean, there's a lot to say there. And then I was thinking about like the contrast would be sort of the tumbleweed. Yeah. Tumbleweed just blows around. It's always going somewhere, always doing something, it's dropping seed everywhere. Like picking stuff up and dropping stuff. Yeah. Off. I mean, and then, and then they, get, they accumulated. A, I mean, I used to live in the high desert in Palmdale. Mm-hmm. And so, Oh gosh, the winds are always blowing in Palmdale and there's tumbleweeds everywhere and Joshua trees. So anybody lives in Palmdale, shout out to um, Palmdale, but th- those tumbleweeds, um, look, pretty cool when they're rolling down the street after you because I pretty much remember being chased by tumbleweeds because of the wind being so literally yeah. as a kid and just being running for dear life because those things hurt. Um, and then, you know, but then they just like, end up getting accumulated and stuck in a fence somewhere mm-hmm. and then they're just done. They're dead. So they're just like rolling around dead. Mm-hmm. Not, not impacting anything, not oxygenating, not bearing evidence of the time we're in, not um, changing, not providing shade. Yeah just kind of consuming and moving. And I think there's a transientness to folks and culture and, and thinking about art and design. Like I'm not anti-travel. I'm not, but what I'm trying to say is there is a transient mindset. Mm -hmm. That means that a lot of the work and impact someone could have, uh, is, is, uh, thwarted by their, um, their assumption that, that there's somewhere else to be other than where they're at. And so they don't, they don't ever dig roots in. They don't grow deep and strong. They don't provide shade. They don't bear fruit. They don't bear evidence of the changes that are happening in the culture. And they don't oxygenate. They don't enrich. Mm-hmm. They don't um, leave behind buildable material. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been thinking about this, you know, just more in those two kind of metaphorical lanes as far as what it means to be, to really, really be a maker, 
Mm. And even just even, you know, not just like an artist or designer maker, but even like, I mean, even if it wasn't that, I still think, what does it look like to be a neighbor, a citizen, an employee? Um, um, what does that mean? You know, and I think I'm hoping through this and out of this, I think we, I think we, re, we revisit things like this. Like, what do we want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, who are we? What do we want to be? Like, how do we want to dwell? And um, I think <laughs> I just think the trees are a good example. You yeah. know, I think I think they're an interesting uh, word, picture, metaphor, literal, tangible example. And I've heard some other smart people talk about it way better and um, provoke me into thinking about it. And so now I'm thinking about it and um, kind of looking at my neighborhood and going, "Oh yeah, like." Um, and trees are so good, man. They're, they're so sneaky. Like the roots can be there for so long that they just uproot your house. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> you know, like all of a sudden your foundation is messed up because this tree has been just slowly growing and, and it's upsetting foundations mm-hmm. and that you thought were permanent. Um, but their trees are patient. Um, they weather storms. They're like, it's like, it's just interesting to think about it. You're like, they're patient. They bear up underweight. Now we see them break and we see them fall and we see them rot out. Like, so, but, and I, maybe I'm just, this is really cheesy that I'm talking this way, but I just think about culture makers and wonder what it would look like if people dug more deeply into a neighborhood and just committed to that neighborhood, you know, just committed to that city, their life, yeah, their life, like their time, all their time, um, because it's too short of amount amount of a life to think that we can have a a really big impact by bouncing around, zipping around, like. And I know that there's counter arguments for this. I know that there's people that are probably going like, Ryan, you fool. What about this? What about this person who's like? And I and I, so I mean, I know that that's there, and I know that there's a totally yeah, I mean, there's, solid there's argument against that people would bounce sure. around. You know, yeah, but we're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. if you if you have like. Yeah. If you have the choice, if you're just choosing to go from yep. place to place. That's right. And so I guess what I'm trying to say too is like, you know, if we marvel at the trendsetter that jet sends, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a rarer person though than, than the majority yeah. of us. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to do is offer that there's an alternative. If you don't find yourself there and you're home right now and you're like, I work out of my house, I have kids or, um, I'm in this relationship with my partner and we, we go to work all day and we come home and we paint for four hours. And, and I think like, I always feel like that the, the, the people that are there feel like they didn't make it. And I'm saying not even as a console consolation, it's like you actually might be making it in a more serious way yeah. than the person that, that seems more obvious to our eye on Instagram or social media. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to think of a framework that gives us some kind of depth uh, metaphorical depth to to grab hold of to say um, uh, there's something rich about being be, really being known by each other that uh, will change the way you make and what you make and who it's for. Um, well, that's very true. You know, I mean, I can speak from experience with that <laughs> because uh, what you're talking about this transience, like until I was probably in my I don't know early to mid thirties, um, that was my aspiration. I didn't want to be anywhere longer than I had to be because there was somewhere else I got to go. Mm. Um, and it was very much always kind of living my life for tomorrow. 
and never being where I was. Mm. Um, so it was always like, oh, well, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing now just to get to the next spot. And once I get there, I'll do whatever I need to get to the next one. And so I was never doing anything except constantly raising my anxiety and inability to actually dig into anything. So all the stuff I said about caring about people or places, it was all fake because mm. of the actions I was taking. Because my actions were saying, everything here is throwaway as long as I get to the next spot. Yeah. And so, you know, I remember having a conversation with my wife one day and I was like, um, I think Richmond is home. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like, it was almost like a bad taste in my mouth to even say it because it was so contrary to the 30 something years before that. But in those three or so years uh, since that conversation and kind of just assuming like this is where we are and this is where we will be, it has made me actually able to find places to dig into. Like mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be doing this right now. Yeah. I wouldn't be involved with Shock Art Space if I hadn't had that conversation with my wife. Mm-hmm. If the, the things that had gone through my mind to make that conversation a possibility, even if that hadn't happened, if I hadn't chosen to, to dig into a spot, I wouldn't be doing this. And sure. why? Because, because you can't do something like this if, if you're just waiting for me to bail on you and go somewhere else. Yeah, you can't build. You know, like I always you can't build anything. You if you're just gonna leave. Yeah, if you didn't know if your arm was gonna be there tomorrow or your fingers or your hand, like you know, mm-hmm. like or in moment to moment, so you wouldn't be able to like lean up and get up. You know, if you think of it like a, a body analogy or whatever. Um, and so, but also, I, what I love you said the disposability. I think I think it also renders the future place you're headed to as somewhat disposable. So oh, preemptively, totally. so in a way, you're denying the voice of the place and the people, the ability to voice themselves because you're already assuming they're disposable enough that I'll be able to leave whenever I want to. Yeah. You're not enjoined to anything. And, and, um, and so I think the work, uh, suffer can, can suffer for not being enjoined to the weightiness of life, but also the richness that follows the soil, uh, richness, the nutrients that can come through the course of, uh, the life of a, of a well-planted thing. You know, um, and something that, you know, to that, to the same conversation that, um, I'd been thinking of before all of this happened, I had really been juggling these ideas of, uh, busy versus important. Mm. Um, and this has really helped to kind of put a laser focus on that because with, with everything, like now I'm suddenly at a place where a lot of my busyness went away because, you know, our, our days at VC were filled with a lot of person to person meetings. Yep. And now there might just be phone calls or emails. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not having to travel to our job. We're not having to find parking or not having to do this sort of stuff. All the little things that take up bits of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's been a focus to, we need to deal with the important things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have this, this kind of, I, I told a, a past student, uh, who contacted me about some stuff the other day um, to do an exercise where they make two columns and write down in their day what are the things they do that is busy work and what's important work mm-hmm. and then tell me what percentage of your day is taken up with the busy work and the important work. Because mm-hmm. I think we all want to think that the majority of our day is important work. Mm-hmm. But every time I've done it, the majority of my day has been busy work. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, yeah. I'm already, I'm kind of engaged in disposable stuff yep. in a lot yeah, of ways. that's right. And this has kind of helped me see even deeper than I've already kind of seen in some ways. Well, what's the important stuff I'm actually doing? Mm-hmm. What, what, what is my job actually? Look yeah. Like? like, is it just teaching people? Is it connecting with people? What is yep. it that we do here with Shaco? Is it, um, is it just that we put art on the wall somewhere mm-hmm. and we talk for a podcast sure. or is it really about that community? 
is it really about enriching and educating and building up and mm-hmm. leaving something? And that, this is the best time in the world to think about that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, not just because you have the time, but because there's something out in the world providing enough pressure on you that it has an impact and meaning. Yeah. When you got to, I mean, that's why I keep going back to the sober thing. You got to ask real questions about life and existence and why we're here. And, and, um, there's so much I could say about that, but. Well, I think a lot of people know. might listen and they go, well, that just, that makes me feel super anxious. But right. I, but I think that honestly, if you push into that and you really start to think of it in this sober minded way, I think that there's a lot of sanity that you can gain from it. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I know really well the apathetic part of myself. So like maybe not well enough, but I know it, I know it well. And I'm always surprised by where I just don't want to do anything or no, maybe I'm not surprised by it. Maybe I'm surprised by (laughs) how do I say this as honestly as I can. Maybe it's that I, so the, I'm thinking about your, your busy work thing and I'm thinking about last year and last year had a lot of work. Yeah. You know, we did it. We were busy. Um, and in some ways, it, I mean, it was great. Like we, we set a lot of ground. It was very purposeful. It felt, I think that it felt temporary, mm-hmm. gave me a little extra energy for it. But the, the fallout from that this year has been all these things, these blind sides. Like there's been more blind sides than I can mention on this epi- this, this podcast. And so, and so the levels of blind sides meant that I, w- I was busy but I wasn't prepared for the blind sides yeah. and I wasn't prepared for them. And so not enough. And so now I'm trying to take a, uh, take account for that. And what I've found is, you know, I've, I've got places where I'm just apathetic mm-hmm. because there's not a task in front of me and there's not a, a reason. And so um, I'm having to kind of face myself down and, um, try to be honest and try not to operate out of emotions, but turn from some of the things that I just know are idle, you know, that I'm, I'm being idle with my time mm-hmm. and it's, it's a battle. It's like a, it's like a battle be, and I've got every good reason to get more serious about it with the kinds of consequences that are going on in the world right now. Like your life is fleeting. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I just, just like at the level of honesty, like I'm like somewhere between, Somewhere in all of this, I'm having to take account for it's like a reckoning. You know, I kept saying this year was like a has been like a reckoning for me. Um, there's places where I should have been doing more work in ways that would have me prepared for what's happening. And it mm-hmm. wasn't like I wasn't given the opportunity. I just didn't do it. I didn't want to do it. And so, oh gosh, that's that's been true at multiple levels in my life right now, where it's like a it's like a reckoning. And it's like, you did not, you did not prepare and you were given the time to prepare and you didn't. And I got that on multiple levels and not, not, I'm not being discouraging. It's just that I'm just taking account of it. And so what I'm doing now is, is like, uh, I'm trying to resist not running back into busy work mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think about what it means to be present and richly. So in the way I was talking about with the tree metaphor, I guess. Yeah. And, um, and I'm having to make choices and it's kind of like um, certain aspects of myself are weaker. So it's like I'm faint towards certain things I need to be doing. I have a faint level of energy for it because it's not busy work. Yeah. You know, I guess, I guess another way of saying it, it's like the machine that is the world we find ourselves in was running me. Huh. And, and, and it stopped 
and and I stopped and I'm not being run by it. And so it's like, oh, well, well, then what am I doing? Uh-huh. You know, and I could talk about that before, but it's easier to do that when you're being run and then act like you're not being run. You know, do you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, yeah, just no, the hard totally. truth is like, like, what do you do with your time? Like, how do you, how do you, um, what do you do with your desires? What about, what about, you know, like I had a couple of great days of painting and I had a day where I was like, I don't feel like painting today at all. Mm-hmm. And I, have, you know, I get a lot of time to paint and, and actually was enjoying painting. And then you're just like, I don't want to do this today. And it's like, okay, well then just don't do it. <laughs> Doesn't mean that you're not a painter. Yeah. It just means you just don't do it today. And it's like, okay, I don't have to be busy about it. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So then it's like, okay, so then what, can, what does my conscience allow me to do? What else can I do? What else like should I be doing? Like, how do I, and that's where I was like, I'm going to sit on the porch today and drink coffee and watch my kids play in the backyard pretending to be wizards. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and that was a pretty good day. Like, it's like, I don't know. Maybe what's happening is a kind of a, a recalibrating. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I would venture to say I'm no, no amazing historian or anything like that. Um, at least not comprehensive enough to say what I'm about to say. But um, I think that, you know, in the last, I don't know, 100, 150 years, we have probably had the greatest sense of like dysfunction in between the integration of our work and our lives. Mm-hmm. Like that's, a, that's, that's a recent thing. Like, yep. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a post industrial revolution problem. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that for the most part, we all kind of worked in or out of our homes in some capacity prior mm-hmm. to that, you know, right. I mean, even, um, you know, you, you still see it in a lot of uh, cities with an older section, um, places where there's a shop downstairs and an apartment upstairs, yep. you know, even in spots like that in a more uh, urban location, you still had people who owned the shop downstairs and lived upstairs. Yeah. Right. So you, your, your work life integration was much more intact. Yeah. Um, and so having those moments, so if, you know, if I'm a farmer and I'm, I'm busy, you know, in the spring plowing up how many acres I've got or whatever, at some point, if I need a break or my meal needs a break, like I, I might go play with my kids. Yeah. And that doesn't make me a bad farmer. Right. But we moved into a space where now it's like, oh, you're at work nine to 12 hours a day. And if you think about doing anything but that, you're a bad worker. Yeah. And leisure was really a, uh, a concept uh, created to fuel being a better worker. Yeah. So definitionally, leisure was defined in, in tandem or in relationship to the utility of improving work. And you still see that like with Google and, you know, other spots where they, they make, they try to imbue the uh, workspace with a certain kind of feel and opportunity to it uh, so that to optimize workers. And so, mm-hmm. so this idea of optimal work is always sort of, um, I mean, it's so defined a generation, multiple generations, but. And something like that makes total yeah. sense in a factory yep. where your money is being made based off of how many widgets you pr- produce that yep. day. But if we're talking about something like art or design, yeah, that is hugely detrimental. Yeah, I mean, and we've all felt it at sure. some point. And if you haven't felt it yet, and you're pursuing this as a career, you probably will at some point. Yep. Um, where it just feels like intense pressure mm-hmm. to be that factory and turn that stuff out and yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. And it turns yep. into a busyness that turns into a bitterness that yep. turns into like a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, and then and then you're talking about, um, you know, you're talking about work that that may be suffering as a result, you know, it, it just depending, you know, you may not actually be making what you really want to make yeah. because it's, it's, this is totally on the side. I, I saw this, there's this like show, um, 
this British guy, British guy is like an antique teak person. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Like it's from years ago. We just, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're in, in this time where you start watching shows you wouldn't normally watch. And so, um, anyhow, in Britain, he goes and like buys stuff. He finds treasure, essentially, you know, junk, and then he sells it. Mm-hmm. And it's like those, uh, antique, what are the two guys that did the, uh, oh gosh, what's that show called in America? Pickers. Yeah, yeah, American Pickers. It's, it's like that. I like I like that show. Like it's like that, mm-hmm. but it's in in the UK. And so he went to this person who has who's like this car guru mm-hmm. in the UK. Um, and this person has like this gold car that just it's the only one in the world from like 1910. Wow, he's got cars like that, and he's he's got this maybe one of the most comprehensive um, Model T collections, <laughs> you know, and then a lot of other cars. So. What, just one of the things that was interesting is they're driving this the original Model T. There's oh no, they're they weren't driving the original Model T that he had the first like the first Model T model. Wow! But this one was really close to that, and they were saying it took 93 minutes to assemble the car. Holy cow! 93 minutes. No way. And I and I was shocked by that. Yeah. 93 minutes to build a car. It's taken me longer to build Billy bookshelves from <laughs> Ikea <laughs> that it took to make the, the, the automobile in its original conception. Yeah. What a, you know, what a weird thought on, you know, just how we create in industry yeah. and, um, the complexity of things, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, um, you gotta be, a, you gotta be a NASA scientist to understand, uh, cars that are being made right now. Yeah. I mean, they're not even, understandable for yeah. you can't get under the hood and work on the car the same way you got to have a computer engineering degree yeah a computer science degree or you know i mean really like mm-hmm. so um yeah just thinking about that like we we're we really have been in a kind of mechanized society that has defined time and work and space for us and it's been a lot of great things that have come from it we are living on the benefits of it oh, yeah. no doubt mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that we don't have choices to make about the cadence the speed the haste and the what that we make yeah. um we're not like there's a lot of people that would say they just believe that life is random accidental chance but they are very deterministic about where we're headed uh-huh. and and they they talk and live as though um Everything is determined and we are going to become a machine. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, the disconnect between what they will say out, out of one side of their mouth, but what they will say out of, out of the other in terms of their beliefs that it's, we are living in a kind of a inevitable singularity mm-hmm. and everything is marching towards that. And it's like, how could you know that? You, you see what I'm saying? How could you know oh, yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a way of just giving in to the cadence and the, spe- the, the speed and the rhythm of things. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I've had a hard time uh, through all this talking to folks because I talk about, you know, that at some point we're going to kind of come out of this. And so, yeah. you know, what do you, what do you kind of default to in language? You say things like, well, it'll return to normal. Yeah. But then I, I have a hard time with that because I know it's not going to be normal. Mm-hmm. And, I, I you know, people have thrown around, keep throwing around, you know, it's the new normal. And yeah. I, I don't like that. Yeah. Because I think it's kind of with what you're talking about that – well, maybe the issues that we're having now, like this kind of revolt that we're having in the places we are, is not a revolt against the things we actually want or desire society to be, but it's a revolt against this pattern or mechanization that has kind of been built into us mm-hmm. over the last, you know, five, six, seven generations. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, what's that, what's that really look like? So, you know, part of me like wants to kind of play the, the futurist. I want to be the, the stereotypical graphic designer writing the manifesto for the future saying, yeah. here's the world we were building. You want to be, I want to be, you know, some, um, somebody like spouting crazy stuff about building a, a perfect utopian, beautiful yeah. world, you know, because it feels like this is those moments where that's possible, right. where you can say those things because there is a, there's a, a poignancy mm-hmm. and there is uh, an urgency mm-hmm. to all of this. Right. And um, it allows us to kind of look into that and say, well, maybe we should reconsider a few things, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think one thing that points to this as a functional uh, postmark for me or a, a, I think is really that I'm seeing all of these creative people, these makers like making beautiful stuff mm-hmm. and actually turning their days into beautiful things. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're uh, sharing food and dropping things off at people's homes. They're doing these uh, FaceTime calls with all people they haven't really spoken to in a long time. They're, mm-hmm. they're working out in their garages. They're making paintings again. They're, you know, hanging out and camping in their backyard. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I think it's, it's, it, there's actually been some just amazingly beautiful things come out of it that maybe could be things we just keep a hold of and keep moving forward with. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, um, to put in a, di- to put that, a spin on that, like the why, the why, the why that might be important. If you think about what's lost in haste is the ability to, so like, it seems to me that, whenever faced with, uh, loss, loss of life or, you know, people at the end, most of the time it, it comes back around to, I mean, I, I think that there's a, well, you know, I have to be able to say, I think there's a larger discussion about like our existence. Like, is there higher power or not? You know, is it aliens? Is it God? Like, I think there's a real discussion there. And so like, when I say these things, I have a whole other context that's barren on me that I feel like, makes it hard for me to say certain points without acknowledging that I think that there's more to this discussion than what, what we're laying out. And like I say, I always allude to it, but at some point maybe we'll sort of pull back that part of the equation. But the, it seems like on average, most people will kind of go, gosh, you know, at the end of the day, it's about relationships. Mm-hmm. So, you know, interconnectivity with people, the people you love, especially as so I say, family, friends, uh, you know, most regrets are not like, I wish I would have played 10 more video games or, yeah. you know, or whatever. Like, I wish I would have watched 10 more movies. And, um, you know, I do, I, I have seen people say things like really in a way that's touching and heartbreaking and like, you know, young folks that um, maybe had come down with like a, like a cancer. And I think the last two Star Wars, the dying wish was, can I just see the movie before it comes out? Cause I'm not going to make it. And Disney let them do that. And I think that's the right thing. And I under, I can imagine why, you want to watch the completion of a story as your life is being closed out on. Like, I think there's a lot there, you know? And so, um, not to be insensitive, but, um, when you talk about things like campfires or you're talking about pace setting, life enriching settings and endeavors that free us to relate to each other. They, they don't, they don't, um, call us into busy work. Uh-huh. And so, so you're talking about cultural expressions that relax certain tensions, therefore freeing us into each other, whether or not we choose to enter into that freedom of that kind is another, another issue. But, um, 
in a world that is extremely polarized right now and run away persistent into um, the same trajectory, it's difficult to get off the merry-go-round and sit around a campfire with someone you don't agree with. You, you see what I'm saying? That takes practice. Well, where do you practice? Well, you practice with the people that it is easy to sit around and talk about with. Yeah. Who do you, how do you have a meal with someone you don't agree with? Well, it takes a lot of time having meals with people you're more inclined to agree with, you see? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's why so many significant um, political uh, engagements happen around the dinner table or around a meal table of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so what kinds of humanizing activities, uh, expressions, things that are made bring that out of us in ways that's repeatable such that we become more resilient in those ways so that we can we can dig into these mysteries mm-hmm. and what are we willing to let go of in order to give more time to that um, and, and those are the questions I think that we need to press into mm-hmm. um, and so when we see humans uh, you know, our fellow humanity um, pressing out in that way I think it shows that at the end of the day that's at the core of that's part of what it means to be a human being so when we're running the other way, we're running away from what it means to be a human being. So what that means to me is that there are things that we are doing that are destroying humanity. Um, and that's where you have people, uh, people I respect, people that are even colleagues of mine that are hungry for uh, the escape from being human. They want to be mechanized. They want to be, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the transhuman ambition. And, and, and I don't say this to be contentious. I just say this. I, bet I, I do mean to contend with, but I don't mean to insult or incite, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially with those that I respect. Um, but it is a discussion we should have. What if we've been so wounded that we think the wounds of another kind are preferable to braving the solution and healing wounds, right? Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. so we've been so mechanized that we can only imagine going further into being mechanized, you know, but the, 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 Danger would be to respond the other way in sentiment and and just kind of kick it for a while around a campfire and not realize the importance of kicking it around a campfire. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there's actually work there. And um, there's work to be at the dinner table with your family. It's wor- work to be patient and loving and kind. And um, it's work to stand in front of a painting with someone in your studio who doesn't, you know, isn't jiving with it mm-hmm. and is maybe asking more questions than you're prepared to answer. Um but I think that's actually the real work that's before us. And if we were at the end of the our deathbed, I think that's the work we would want to answer to. I think that's the stuff we would want to say, yeah, I wish I'd have done more. Or I, I feel a sense of um, I did what I could do in that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I think, I, again, I, I, I give you those two answers. Like of, I actually think there's still more and I, and, and, and I don't feel like I'm accounting for it in my conscience. So I can't just like say that without acknowledging that my conscience has more going on than, than what I can talk about right now. But, um, and maybe you do too, but I think, I think that's part of the, that's why, you know, looking at trees, that's why I want to go to museum. It's, it's more that, you know, the last thing I, last museum I went to is with my kids and some of their friends. Mm -hmm. And I talked to them about how to look at art, but as we talked about how to look at art, it really became us talking to each other and relating to each other in a relational way that um, I don't know of how I don't know of other situations that would allowed for 
us to to carry on in yeah. that way. And, uh-huh. it, and, and that was character formation and it was enriching and it brought about a hunger for more of that. Like some of the kids were like, can I go back? And these are like 10-year-old kids, 8-year-old kids. They're like, I want to go back and do that again. And we we really looked at and talked about art. Like we really brought, I mean, I was breaking things down and asking them questions. They were breaking things down. And and um, my five-year-old was into it, you know? And so like that's a, that's a non-mechanized orientation that... Um, I, I mean, maybe the most sappy thing I could say is like there's a soul nourishment that satiates uh, a certain kind of way. And that satiation leads you less prone to need uh, other things, mm-hmm. you know. And um, when we're satiated, we don't make as crazy decisions. You know, we don't we don't break from the shopping list. So do you think all this that you're talking about, do you think uh, that this kind of period right now is is something that could actually lead into more good thinking about that or good yeah. work in that direction? It's a tough call. I, I think it's... I mean, it, everything's got yeah. the possibility to or not to. I sure, guess, yeah. But. It's a tough call. Like, I, I, I would want to hope so. I think maybe that's even why it's, a, it's good to let us out there is to provoke folks. I mean, we'll be doing our live podcast Zoom stuff soon. And mm-hmm. um, I hope that people are more open and orient towards kind of, you know, I guess what I'm saying, not that I got it figured out, it's just that to, to answer your question is, uh, that's my hope. Um, but I, I it, it will come down to, you know, I said earlier is choice making. Um, and it will come down to how willing are people to admit their faults. Hmm. Because you can't press into each other without accounting for your own faults. Mm-hmm. You just can't. Because nobody's perfect. And, and um, we've been living through a very unforgiving moment in human history where we're not very forgiving. We're demanding, but we don't forgive. Mm-hmm. So um, it's hard to sit across from someone if you are demanding of them but not willing to forgive them, mm-hmm. but also if you're not willing to be uh, forgivable. You know, and I think that's hard too. I think that's dangerous. And, you know, you could be in f- with someone who's just not a forgiving person. And so... Um, you can't really uh, give an honest account of yourself in order to make an honest point. And so um, I think that's where art and campfires and music, um, shared meals, I think all of those things help to foster the possibility of that. You see what I'm saying? I think, I think, that, yeah. I think they, they orient us towards the possibility of that. And that is uh, a vitalizing potential. And so um, I hope so. Yeah, and you know so I mean, I mean? even though we can't do those things right now in the moment, like yep. we can't have the campfire, we can't share the meal, you know, we can't go to the museum, we can't do that. I think that the absence of it will speak to it. I agree. Maybe even in a in a in a much more uh, clear way. Yep. For some folks, I mean, I, I know it has for me because we had plans likewise uh, during spring break. We were going to go to the museum a few days with our kids. Yeah. You know, and things just kind of got haywire. Yeah. Stuff started happening, and uh, it 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 didn't happen. Yeah. And it's uh, you know, and then even getting. You know, for museums I haven't been to in years that I was on their mailing list because I signed up for something when I was traveling once. Mm-hmm. I've gotten things and they've told me that they're closed and it's mm-hmm. kind of it's kind of hurt a little bit. Sure. You know, not that I can, you know, drive to some city eight hours away yep. and just go to the museum when I want. But the fact that it's closed, you know, it, that communal aspect of kind of considering together is gone. Yeah. Um, for the time being. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's you know there's there's a lot of stuff that we can kind of do to to help with our sanity. One thing is to not not 
you know, back out of the situation, but mm-hmm. to actually understand that we're here, we're involved in it. This is a yeah. very pressing moment in history. That's yeah, real. Uh, we should be present. Um, but while we're present, I mean, there's plenty of small businesses that we can support by, mm-hmm. you know, getting meals that we can share with our family. We can hang outside. We can go for walks. We can do things. Yeah. Waving you at know. your neighbor. I mean, yeah. just, just little things. Having conversations just across the street by shouting at each other. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Some neighbor talk. Anything that can help you be connected when you have to have your social distance. I mean, yeah, all that's good. And, and then also just keep sharing what you're doing on the platforms that we can still yeah. connect with. Hey, here's the thing. The internet has shown us that people desperately want to be known. Yes. I mean, every Instagram post, every Twitter post, every Facebook post, everybody wants to be known. Uh-huh. Um, so somebody has to be able to be willing to, to know all those that want to be known. Right. You got to ask yourself, why do we want to be known so much? Mm-hmm. So we don't, we don't want to be alone. We want to be known. Yeah. Deeply want to be known. You, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's the whole known be known thing. So, the, so then, but um, it gets difficult when it's time to lift a finger to knowing people. Yeah. Because you're not in, you're not able to curate then whether or not you're being known as you're knowing. Uh-huh. Something's got to give. Yeah. It can't just be curated. You can't, you can't have control. That's why we're so anxious because we just think we have control. Uh-huh. And this is just showing us like we do not have control. No, we do Nature, not. I mean, you know microorganisms and viruses. And I mean, there's some armies that, uh, emerge, uh, <laughs> you can't see them mm-hmm. and they are, they are ruthless. Yeah. And so, uh, um, yeah, anyhow, I think, I think there's an opportunity and, um, humans have historically been resilient in difficult times. Yeah. So I think we'll be able about, to do the same thing. Yeah. And like we said earlier in the show, you know, one of the, one of the things is, you know, we are, as if you're a maker that's out there listening, we are kind of on the front lines of, of letting people see like how this stuff's being processed and what we're thinking and what we're doing, but also showing people, you know, beauty in a time where all they're seeing is ugliness or, you know, security in a time where all they feel is insecurity. Um, there's a lot that we've done even in small ways. And I, I've appreciated all the people I've seen who've been sharing the stuff that they're doing, the stuff that they're making, the ways that they're hanging out with their families and friends right. and the ways that they can. Um, so keep that stuff coming, yeah. um, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, like like I've been saying, I feel for the last couple of weeks, everybody out there, y'all stay safe, y'all stay sane. Yep. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Look forward to catching you guys. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.